You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, today we're talking about a super fun topic. We're talking about love and romance and husband auditions. Now, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Let me tell you a little bit about my guest. Angela Ruth Strong sold her first Christian romance novel in 2009 and then quit writing romance when her husband left her. Ten years later, God has shown her the true meaning of love, and there's nothing else she'd rather write about. Her books have since earned top pick in Romantic Times, been optioned for a film, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about, won the Cascade <laughs> Award, and been an Amazon bestseller. She writes nonfiction for the spirit-led women, and she also helps train writers as an expert on writethatbook.com. Yay, write that book. Yay. <laughs> so welcome, Angela. Thank you so much. Okay, so many things to talk about, but we have to start <laughs> with uh, husband auditions because this is the funnest, funnest, funnest book, funnest concept ever. So tell us a little bit about your book and how you got the idea. Oh, I had so much fun with it, but first I have to say that the the title husband auditions catches people off guard at first, including my husband. I used to say <laughs> something. Yeah, I'd mention husband's auditions and he'd be like, wait, wait, what? And then I'd be like, my book. Remember, it's a title to a book. <laughs> that is so funny. He's like, you're auditioning for another book? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. So that the idea from the story came from a list that circulated on social media a few years ago, and it was originally published in McCall magazine in the 1950s, and it was ways to catch a husband. And they were crazy, like um, cry softly in a corner oh, or la- stand on a street corner with a lasso. And I and where all good story ideas come from is like, what if? And so my what if is what if a modern day woman actually tried that to get a husband? <laughs> that is so funny. And <laughs> I mean, we all know like those memes that go around the advice that was given a long time ago. Yes. And it's just like, what were, so you mentioned a couple of them, what, name a couple of more that is just like, why would they even put that in print? Oh, um, paint on your rooftop. Pilots give me a buzz. Oh, and then my like your word. phone number. <laughs> no. So I did have to change the list because um, we did not have permission from McCall Magazine. So I did a lot of research into other articles written in the 1950s and compiled some. But what's kind of funny is we were watching WandaVision. Have you watched WandaVision yet? I have not. I don't ever get to watch TV. Yeah. All the yeah. kids, I'm telling you, they have the remote all the time. Well, it's a really interesting idea where they she like recreates television shows from the past so so like there's like a leave it to beaver type episode where she's starring in it and it's black and white and and so in that episode the neighbor friend actually comes in and is like oh here's some good advice and she uses a couple lines from the list and I was like dang it Disney got permission but I did not (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is so funny. So talk about some of the ones on your list. Um, I know you have 101 ways to find a husband. Yes. Okay. So I have my I have my new list here, and it was really fun. I have a a readers group on Facebook, and I was like, "You guys, I have to make a whole new list, and I need help." And so, a lot of them um, gave their own ideas, and I thank them in the book because I couldn't have done it without them. Um, especially Janine Roche, she's another writer, and her ideas were like completely over the top. Let me see. <laughs> um, let me see if I can find some good ones. So things like try eyeglasses. So in the story, she gets glasses. Um, be dangerous. Be well read. Um, I think that was an Audrey Hepburn quote. Um, don't forget to wear gloves on your first date. Oh, my goodness. So I was like, okay, guys, on my Facebook group, I was like, okay, guys, what kind of gloves should she wear? Because <laughs> it's summertime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so somebody actually suggested rubber, like plastic, like the gloves that are popular now to protect oh, yeah. you from yeah. COVID. So I, so that was my one mention of COVID. And it's kind of crazy in this day and time. Like, do we mention COVID in our books? Do we not? So I just referenced it like it was in the past and she wore right. those kind of gloves. Um, stuff like bake his favorite dessert. Bad cooking will drive your man to seedy saloons. <laughs> um, let's see. If you're going out to dinner, eat beforehand so you can order something small. This will do two things. Show him you don't have a large appetite and save him money. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I um, love co- it. Compliment his car. Oh, this. Okay. This was Janine's. Oh, did they change it? Okay. Well, it says compliment his car. How he takes care of it will symbolize how he will take care of you. So I think that was Janine's and she suggested have him take it the wrong way. Like she can be like, oh, your back seat's so clean, trying to compliment oh, his car. So funny. <laughs> yeah. So she just gets into all kinds of trouble. Oh my goodness. And oh, so the one, uh, number five says a 10 funerals to check out the widowers oh which yes just cracks me up because um when I was like a young married mom we did this bible study with this older lady um and then her husband was a former pastor well she passed away which was so sad but mm. the other ladies in the group would like take him meals and stuff and he was engaged probably within like two months to someone else from the church and this other lady in the bible says like man I should have made a move faster Oh my gosh. They were in their like (laughs) mid seventies, but it was so funny that I'm like, oh, that is really like a thing. Like she was thinking about how long is appropriate. Yeah. You can't get much faster than that. I know. He was engaged (laughs) with like two months, Mm. but I'm thinking he's probably thinking like, I need some food. I need my laundry done. Yeah. I'm in my mid seventies. And when you've been married for a long time, it's hard to be single again. Yeah, which is another thing we're going to talk about. But I want to get back to our book, and okay. then we're going to get to the other <laughs> thing, too. Because I even saw in your um, dedication to your sister, um, you talk about yeah. that. And she doesn't know about that yet. I'm excited to <gasps> oh, give her the book. very cool. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. Okay, so um, I, just tell us the a little bit about the characters and more about the book. But then I want to go again into your personal story of unexpected singleness. Mm-hmm. Um, so my characters are Mary. Her name is Mary and her goal is to get married. I did not plan it that way. I was just looking for a name for her. And Marianne Hake, who is in Oregon, she's one of my readers. Yep. And she's like, yeah. she's like, many people aren't named after me in books. So I named her Mary. And then later on, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Mary wants to get married. That has more than one meaning. So, and, and she's a nurse. Um, 
and everybody all and she was roommates with her best friend which is the last of their friends mm-hmm. to get married so she's the last single one she has to move out of the house that she was roommates with her with and um, she moves in with her brother and his crazy film school roommates and which her her testing out all these ways to get a husband actually gets filmed by Kai who is uh, one of her brother's roommates and Kai, I made him a lazy hero. <laughs> and you don't see that very often. And I didn't know how well it would go over. I, I wanted to make him really likable. But he also has his own butt dent on the couch. Mm. Because I think that is something that women today struggle with. And and we all have different flaws. And some flaws are laziness. So what do you do if you're with a man who won't put in the effort to have a relationship with you? Um, so through them falling in love um that's she sees all her friends have gotten married and then one is struggling with separation Mm -hmm. um related to laziness so she sees it's not just about walking down the aisle it's about planning for your whole future together and having a healthy relationship that will last so i'm curious because you make you said you make him a lazy here and i think Mm -hmm. so many times like women are really encouraged to like take charge and do those things and sometimes guys are like okay they just kind of step back just in general in life or, or some guys are not even that outgoing personality mm-hmm. my third son who's still single at 27 he's in college he's but he's so content of just hanging out with family I'm like I want to push him out there I hope he doesn't hear this podcast but anyway <laughs> but you know I mean, he's just so like chill that yeah. um unless he meets someone someplace like he's just going to be going through life like okay I'm yeah I got family I got friends <laughs> I'm like yeah in college and uh, he's an amazing guy but it, I think some like definitely there are those more laid-back people yeah the ones who hear the sermons about selfish ambition and like pat themselves on the back mm-hmm. like I don't have that problem <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but we all have different problems yeah um yeah, so with a lazy character, I didn't know how people would take him. Um, one reader said, he's perfect. And I was like, really? He's, what makes him perfect? I was like, he's so different. And she's like, that's what makes him perfect. Mm. And not that he's a perfect person, but he's the perfect character to read about um, because it makes you think and relate it to your own life if that's something you deal with. Um, and then I had another, well, Janine again. Janine said he was her top, one of her top five heroes that evolved. Christian fiction, um, which surprised me because he does have that that flaw, but he is so lovable, mm-hmm. and um, there is redemption in the end. I love that, and I think so many times, like when you sit down to like plot a book, it's like you always picture the guy that's like out there and adventurous and mm-hmm. daring. And if we look around, that's a very few of the people in the population. And I, if I was married to someone like that, that was just like wanting to be on the go all the time and hiking and skydiving. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. wait, we have all these children. Where are you going? Yeah. Yeah. That was my husband's, uh, he rides motorcycles. I'm remarried, um, but he rides motorcycles. And so on the weekends, cause I'd have my kids every other week. And on the weeks that I wouldn't have them, I'd ride with him. And then, so we'd be scheduling out, you know, trips. And I'm like, well, I have the kids that week. I could follow in the minivan, you know, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I so I get that. <laughs> yeah, there's like lots of people that we need to we need to think about here. Yeah. Okay, so um we were talking about this and it even talked about in your bio like 
unexpectedly you found yourself single again and I know Mm -hmm. that has just impacted your life in so many ways and in books too in writing but just talk a little bit about that and like how God has just um, used that in your life and then in your work. Yeah, well, it was definitely unexpected. So it was mm-hmm. right after I sold my first novel in 2009, and I knew you then. Yep. Um, but then when he left and I felt like I'd lost everything, I didn't want to write romance. Right. Um, it felt like a fairy tale. Um, but, but it was really God who romanced me and showed me what true love is. And just so many different ways. Like I got tickets to attend a heart ball for Valentine's. And these are like $250 tickets when I am like living on food stamps. And um, my former in-laws sent me flowers for Valentine's Day. I just felt loved Mm. in unexpected ways. And it was like, though my heart was broken, all the love that I put out, out there towards him, I got in return just from unexpected places. And so growing in that, growing, um, through the truth, being able to see the truth and, um, loving anyway, I think is really the answer to so many problems in life. Um, and I've studied classes that the whole idea for this story, besides the 101 ways to find a husband is I've taken, um, classes at safe place ministries where they talk about being honest with ourselves about our issues and, the issues of the people that we're in relationship with. Mm -hmm. And I love the illustration that Leslie Vernick uses in her books, the emotionally destructive relationship. She talks about if you have a a bottle of water, you know, if, if life isn't shaking it up, all this sediment can drop down to the bottom and it looks clean and clear. But then when life gets messy, you shake that bottle up and all the sediment rises up and there's just so much ickiness. Mm -hmm. And she calls those heart issues. And there's like seven heart issues And so I just, that's what I really wanted to explore and learning about that. And so laziness was a heart issue. And then the heart issue that Mary deals deals with in the book is fear, fear of being alone. Mm. Yeah. And I I love that. I haven't heard that illustration before, but it makes so much sense. And I think, um, I mean, you know, you were unexpectedly single after Mm -hmm. your husband chose to leave, which is like no choice of your own. But, you know, looking back, you probably can see now how, um, unhealthy things were, or I, I can mm-hmm. even imagine that in my, um, you know, just my boyfriend, I was pregnant at 17 and he's just mm-hmm. off. <laughs> and when I was just so heartbroken and crushed and like, God, you know, when I finally turned my life back to God, like, you know, I, you know, we need to be together and my baby needs a dad. And God's like, I have so much better for you. And I mm-hmm. met Mary John and we've been married 31 years now, but those moments when we feel like unwanted and alone and yeah. like, we're never going to be happy. We're never going to be loved. It, it's like, it's so real. But later looking back, like looking back now, I'm like, I'm so thankful. <laughs> like I'm so thankful he left. Um, and cause God had so much something different in store and just seeing the destructiveness like you talked about all the all the icky stuff that I'm like wow when you're just in the middle of it and that was just mine was just a high school thing it was not even a marriage but you look back and said this is so unhealthy yeah and so my heart is really to help women um see the truth in their relationships and then create healthier relationships so in a situation with someone like Kai my character who's lazy or someone else who has a different heart issue to be able to see the truth and step into the light and invite them into relationship with you in the light mm. um, rather than joining them in the darkness. 
Yeah. And the fact if someone wants to step out and that, I mean, that's a huge thing too. Yeah. And it's a risk because when you step into the light and invite them into the light, they have to grow Mm -hmm. and there's tension there and it's the possibility of losing, losing someone you love. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but I think with any relationship, there are going to be those things, whether it's big or small, that we're all, and especially when you're in marriage relationship, I mean, John knows everything about me. He could tell, like, I'm about to blow. And he's like, you know, he could just tell when I start getting tense or angry or anything. And his response is, I'm like, okay, that's what I totally need to hear. Um, even though I know that's the last thing, for example, I'm like super stressed. I'm trying to finish a book. I'm like, I just need to go to a hotel and get some time and write this book. And he's like, just tell me when you need to go. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, I know you do not want to be left with all these kids. (laughs) And I knew once I like calmed down that that's not a good option leaving him. There's Mm -hmm. grandma and all the kids and all the stuff. But in the moment he knew I just needed to hear that. Like, okay. Even though, uh, you know, I, once I came got off my got off my emotional moment I realized like actually I could get some work done and I don't have to leave but yeah I mean uh you know our our spouses do know us and understand us and when we're able to accept their flaws because everyone has flaws and they're able to accept ours I mean that's really where you do grow in a relationship it's been such a gift um and then I don't know if you want to get into this but I went through cancer a year ago Mm -hmm. and just to have him there with me through everything and not only that, but I, I think because my first husband had left, I felt like I had to earn love. Mm-hmm. I had to prove myself. I had to, um, you know, be the person, be the lovable person by doing all these things. Um, and then going through cancer, I could do nothing. Right. And, and I feel like through that, I was loved more than I've ever been loved. And it wasn't something that I earned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that, that just filled my heart up to overflowing. And so I kind of envision when you're wounded, when your heart is damaged, it's like someone's taken an ice pick and just jabbed at your heart and it becomes like a, a sieve or a colander. And so you're trying to fill up with love, but it just drains right out. And so it's really easy to become a taker. Um, and so that's why it's so important to look at ourselves and work on ourselves and get healing from God for each of those wounds so that we can hold the love and overflow into other people's lives again. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good, you, I really like these pictures that you're painting. It's so easy <laughs> to imagine. You must be a novelist or something. I don't know. But I do want to talk about, cause I could just imagine people are listening that don't know your story. Like tell us more just about meeting Jim, since we're talking about romance yeah, and all this yeah. stuff, meeting him and like just even the willingness and the the faith to like love Mm. again yeah I was just thinking about that earlier today um so when I went through my divorce I'd had a friend who was about six months ahead of me in her divorce and I remember telling her she came to me and she's like Scott's leaving and I I was like just pray like I thought that would fix everything Mm -hmm. you can pray and fix people right um but it doesn't work that way you can pray for them out of love and pray for them even if they leave because you want the yeah. best for them. But um, so she was about a, a six months ahead of me. And then when my husband left, that just bonded us together. And um, she's the one who introduced me to Jim that I'm married to now. Um, she messaged me one night and she's like, you have to check out Jim Strong on Facebook. And I thought it was someone she was interested in. So I went and friended him because I wanted to make sure he's good <laughs> enough for her. And then she said, he'd be perfect for you. And then I was all embarrassed. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) 
Um, I love that. Yeah. And so he just started commenting on my posts on Facebook just gradually. And he'd been something through something similar years before me. So when like he could tell, he kind of could guess exactly what I was going through. Um, and then we ended up meeting at a, a singles barbecue through a church and um, we hit it off immediately. And uh, we were the last ones to leave. We talked until like 2 a.m., I think. And he gave me two hugs. And then he left. And he didn't call me for two months. <laughs> like, what is up with yeah. that? Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that he was like done with women. He was waiting mm. for his youngest to graduate. And then he was going to move to Alaska and get a dog (laughs) and, and completely, you know, Mm. just leave relationships behind. And so for him to start a relationship with me, he really had to get like that go and decide that he was going to risk it. Um, and then after he called me again, two months later, um, so he just called out of the blue two months later or, well, we would still chat sometimes on Facebook and stuff. Mm And um, I think we were chatting and one time and he's like, can I call you? And then, um, and then we set up, oh no, we, we went to another singles group um, event through the church. We were playing softball and he just loves softball. And I had baseball tickets, I think. So we'd planned to go to a baseball game together, but then he couldn't wait that long. Oh, <laughs> once, so, once he decided like, wait, maybe I should change my mind. <laughs> yeah. He was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take the risk. And, um. Because he's like, they're always great at first, but in his past, mm, women were yeah. pretty crazy. Um, his mom had been married like seven times. Um, so that was his experience. And um, then when we started getting together, then I had to go through my, I hadn't yet dealt with my stuff from my past. Like, do I want to trust again? Is this, yeah. Well, yeah. We Well, we were just having so much fun together and we were watching the movie. This is what I was thinking about earlier today. We were watching the movie Signs. Have you seen Signs? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I was like, you don't watch movies. You probably haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> but that was when I before I had all these kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in Signs, Mel Gibson's wife dies and then there's the possibility of his kids losing his kids as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. And so when his wife died, like with, I just mentally thought, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And then when the kids were threatened, then I was a mess. I was like sobbing. I was like, no. And then I just thought, what is wrong with me that, you know, I'm okay with him losing his wife. I was like, why would Jim even want to be with me if I'm just like so callous about that? And so I was like crying and I was like, my heart is dead. Why do you want to be with me when my heart is dead? <laughs> And the next day in church, we we sang the song, My Dead Heart Now Is Beating. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, and he said just through that, he said that just made him love me more because he could see my heart and he knew it was not dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that you're like bawling and like self-analyzing yeah. yourself kind of <laughs> yeah. shows you that your heart's yeah. not dead. Yeah. And that also shows you the power of fiction of creating stories and how it can affect people's lives. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting that, yeah, that a movie ended up like mm-hmm. revealing all those layers of things. Mm-hmm. Wow. I always say, like, if you're asking, am I this way? You're probably not. Like, if you're saying, I'm such a bad mom, you're probably not because you're like thinking you are like bad moms or whatever. You know, just, <laughs> yeah. like they're not really thinking like they're right. Anyway. So if you're asking yeah. those questions and you're like, 
fighting with it. It's always good. Like if you're fighting with those emotions and stuff, um, there's something going on. Like you said, there's no, it's not a dead heart if you're fighting with the emotions. Yeah. But there was, there was stuff like that, that we had to work through and then blending families is hard. Probably like adopting, I would assume, mm-hmm. taking care of kids that you didn't, um, aren't biologically yours. Um, so, so that's been hard too, but we've been together. It'll be 10 years this year. That is so, I, I, it doesn't seem like that long, but then in a way I know. it does. Like it's so cool. Yeah. It's a whole different life. Yeah. I love it. And um, yeah, you talk about, I mean, there's, there's kids and there's families and I mean, we could spend all this time going there, but it <laughs> is, it's such a different challenge. And it's so funny because I got asked to speak at the blended family conference and I'm, I'm like, wait, what? Like John mm. and I, cause I was thinking, like John and I have been married 31 years. Like we're not a blended family. And like, oh, duh. He's like, yes, we are. What are you talking about? He's oh, like, funny. We had Corey. I had Corey before yeah. him and I got married. And then we've adopted seven children. He's like, we're very much blended. But I didn't think of it that way because it's him and I. But yeah, all the personalities and mm-hmm. all the relationships with each other. It's just not like the parents have relationships. The kids all have relationships with each other. And mm-hmm. some are good and some are not good. So right. Yeah, all the challenges. But I do want to talk, too, about um, you mentioned just your cancer journey. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, like, um, I was going through a really hard time in my life. And then when you said you had cancer, I was, like, mad. I'm like, why does she have to have cancer when so much is going on? Like, this is not fair. And I know I was, like, struggling with my own things, too. But it is. It's like, you know. (laughs) It's sad. Angela, you've gone through so much. Like, why (laughs) this? But um, I would just love, you know, to share you for for you to share about that, too. Yeah. Well, my grandma died of breast cancer before I was born. She died at my age. So Mm. I never met her. Um, Her name was Ruth. So I'm actually named after her. Um, And so I think because of that, I knew that it was a possibility and Mm -hmm. to be vigilant. Um, But it was still a shock. I mean, I felt a lump. And I went into the gynecologist and she's, she felt it and she's like, it's moving around. It's probably nothing. Just go get a mammogram. So I went for my first mammogram and I had plans to go shopping afterwards. No big deal. Um, but they did the mammogram and they're like, okay, we're going to take you in for an ultrasound now. And they took me in there and then they're like, okay, we're going to bring in the doctor to look at your ultrasound now. Oh, wow. And as they went to get the doctor, I was laying there thinking, oh, this could be serious. Uh, and then I was like, how do I feel about death? <laughs> you wow, know? Yeah. Um, so as I'm laying there, I was like, I think, I think I'm okay with it. But then I thought about my, how my grandma had never been at my mom's wedding mm-hmm. and how that that's like her memory from her wedding is being sad that her mom wasn't there. And she had met, my grandma had met my dad, but, but died before the wedding. And um, so I was like, I want to be at my kids' weddings. I was like, that's, that's all I'm going to ask for God. Can I please be at my kids' weddings? Um, they're, they're 18, 20, and 21, so they're not quite there yet. Right, yeah. But um, And then um, so they brought in the doctor, and she's like, okay, we're going to schedule a biopsy. And I remember signing the paperwork and writing the date and thinking, is this a date I'm going to remember for the rest of my life? Mm. Uh, I, but I think I purposely forgot it because of that. I don't even remember what the date was now. <laughs> um, and then, go, and then, oh, so we were talking about how I have a movie. Well, that weekend I was supposed to go down to California and meet with the director. And I was going to stay at my grandma's house, my other grandma. Um, 
but I had to go in and get a biopsy. Hmm. They were going to do three biopsies on both sides and I was going to have ice packs. So I was like, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to travel. So I, I canceled that and I told grandma and I'm like, but grandma, don't tell my parents yet. I don't want them to worry if it's nothing. I'm going to wait until, cause, cause my mom already got emotional about cancer. So <laughs> but my grandma told my aunt who told my uncle who told my dad <laughs> exactly it's like okay grandma like how could grandma keep that secret though yeah yeah and then my mom texted me she's like is there something you're not telling us and so you're then like thanks I, grandma <laughs> yeah then I told him and she's like I'm really glad to know because I really want to pray and my parents were just amazing through it all so I went through five months of chemo which mm-hmm. was pretty miserable um, but the first three months were okay. It was the last two months where I got the tough stuff. And it was really interesting because I had my first dose of what is called the red devil. And then I went back in and they checked my blood counts and the red devil had hit so hard that they're like, you have to go home. You cannot leave your house. Your blood counts are down so low that you could die from a common cold. And, oh, wow. and so this was, so I went home and I cried and I was like, I can't go anywhere. And then the pandemic hit and nobody could go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so the timing was really interesting there. And it ma- it actually made me feel a little better. I was like, oh, I'm not missing out. But no one, no one could go anywhere or do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it would last that long. Um, but yeah, so it was through the pandemic. And then my parents were just so amazing and had so much faith. Um, I made it through the five months and then... It ended last April 15th, and then May 15th, I had to go in for a double mastectomy, and then if they found any remaining cancer, then I would have to be on the chemo pill Mm -hmm. for I don't know how long, Um, and I was afraid to hope that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't find anything, Um, but my dad's like, my parents had so much faith. My dad was like, just call us when you have the good news. And then when I finally got the good news, I called my mom and told her, and she said, oh, I forgot we didn't know that you were cancer-free. <laughs> like they just had such faith. And really, their prayer, and like I said, I'd never felt so loved. And I know there were so many people praying, and I and I know it hit people hard, like you even. Yeah. Um, so I just, I felt really loved and supported through that, and I'm cancer-free. That is so awesome. And Okay. I love that. Now we have to talk about your movie. Like, <laughs> we're like just moving through all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, I'm mean, not supposed to do this movie thing, which right. I just am so excited, like so excited. So tell us a little bit about that. So I, um, my very first novel that I sold was in the Love Finds You line. It was Love mm-hmm. Finds You in Sun Valley. And then they started making some of those because there's a bunch of them set all across the nation. They started making some of those into movies. And I was like I wonder if mine would ever get made and I ran into another author who'd written for the line Marilee Farrell yep. and she had a, a connection with the producer they wanted to make her movies um, so she was actually getting her rights back and re-releasing them as Finding Love In and then the, the name so she helped me get my rights back my, my first book, that one had been optioned for film, but they decided it was too much of a risk. It was whitewater rafting, which mm. I guess you never want to film on water. That's really difficult. Um, so writing a book's a lot different than a movie because there's stuff they can't do you can so just, easily. Yeah, you can just make them get in a raft. I mean, come <laughs> yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my 
so I decided to make a whole series. And my next one was Finding Love in Big Sky, Montana. And um, I, I tried to tailor it for what they were looking for. Like, I knew they like ranches, so I set it on a ranch. And I knew that Christmas movies are popular, so I made it Christmassy, just like hoping. And it got optioned five years ago, and that was before it even came out. Um, but it's been five years. And so every year they're like, yeah, we're going to make it this year. And then it doesn't happen. Yeah, we're going to make it this year. And so I was like, "Eh, it's probably not going to happen. And they called me this year. And well, actually, Marilee called me and she's like, yeah, they start filming tomorrow. What? I know. I was like, I remember you like saying like tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. I had just found out. Um, And it was the most amazing experience. I got to go up there. My husband and I went up and we were extras in the cowboy ball, which had always been like my dream. Because I was like, if they make it into a movie, which scene could I be in? Yeah, exactly. And um, the cowboy ball, I thought that'd be fun. I could, you know, wear a dress and dance. And um, so when they said I could go up, I said they weren't going to let me take gym because of COVID. They're like, it's really small. And I was like, well, do you need extras? And then they let me take them. So we got to go be, yeah. And I took, I took 10 copies of my book thinking maybe I'll get to meet the author or the, the actors and maybe they'll sign it. Like I didn't want, again, I didn't want to have hopes, Yeah. but they made me feel like a VIP Aww. and they, yeah, they, they wanted, they wanted to take the books with them. They're like, can I have one? <laughs> and then they were posting pictures of us all together being, what a dream. I got to meet the author and. Um, they were just, they were the best. They were so much fun. And I asked the director about it. I said, are actors always this great? And she's like, oh no. She's like, this is an amazing group and they want to make a sequel and then they Aww. want to come to Boise for a, if I, if I'm able to um, show it in a movie theater here, which I might be able to. And actually my husband, Jim, he ended up proposing in a movie theater. Um, so I was like, it'd be really cool if we could do it in that same theater and they want to come and, I was just watching it, watching it happen was really amazing because I was like, I, I know what truck that is. I made that truck break down. You know, like <laughs> I felt so powerful. <laughs> and it's happening. Like, just like yeah, I said. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, I don't know, even if I get more movies made, cause they are looking at other books in the series. Um, I don't know that it could ever top this experience. Yeah. And I mean, after the cancer and after the pandemic, yeah. it's like God's like, here you go. <sighs> yeah, like, such a here gift. You go. Yeah, and I love it. And Montana is just amazing anyway. And <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, to you it. would know. Yes. And you know about Big Sky. I know. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is like, has been optioned three times and almost in the works. Oh. Because, I mean, it's just like, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's so much money and so much investment. And that's what the producer says, like, They'll talk about it and talk about it, and then suddenly something will just happen. <laughs> it's like, right. Yeah. yeah. It blew me away. That is so cool. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. So, do we know when it's going to be out or when we can see I'm it? I'm learning or? a lot, but I, I will be able to watch it this month. They're going to send me a link so I can actually see it finished. There is a trailer if you want to watch the trailer. I've seen the trailer. It's yeah. so cool. They did a good job. They did. It's beautiful. Um, so, I guess. Like, everybody calls it a Hallmark movie, but there's no contract signed. It's just a TV movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are going to pitch it to Hallmark. They have to have it completely finished, and then they're going to pitch it. So I won't know until yeah. somebody signs a contract and picks it up. And they actually took Christmas out of it. So, But it's still winter. 
So I don't know when it would air. Would they would they air it in the summer or would they wait for January? I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. You, well, you'll let us know. Then. I will. I will definitely <laughs> let everybody know. Oh, what what I just I mean just talking to you and I I mean I know you personally. So I've I've been watching and commenting and praying along this oh, whole journey. Thank you. But just um just your faithfulness like turning to God through the ups and the downs has just been, it's been beautiful. And so I love that. i love that, um, you know, you're with a good man and you have a movie and now this new book, um, it's just like, yeah. there's hard stuff in life. And sometimes there when is. you're in the middle of the hard stuff, you think like good stuff is never going to come again. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, just in the, uh, as we wrap this up, just on the note that there there can be hope there can be joy and um I would just love for you just been like 30 seconds to like someone out there that maybe listening that's thinking like I am at the bottom right now I, can, I don't even, can't even see a light anywhere can you just speak to them right now yeah well so I've been through a couple tough experiences that I was saying um the one with being um abandoned by my husband in that time I felt like I was just I was the woman with the issue of the blood hanging mm. onto Jesus's hem, um, his garments, just like, it was just me and him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get emotional now. Mm. Um, but then when I had cancer, I was like the lame man on the mat that everybody mm. carried and lowered to Jesus. I had nothing to give. Mm -hmm. um, so God will provide either way. Both times he provided. Um, but there were moments in cancer. Like I said, everybody lowered me to Jesus, but there was moments where it was just me and him. And where death would have been a relief. But I would cling to him and I and, and Jim would want to be there with me. Um he'd always try to come if he heard me throwing up or like I like going to the bathroom and coming back to bed, I would it'd be, I'd feel like I ran a marathon. Mm -hmm. um, and so he'd want to be there for me in those moments, but he couldn't always be there. And so there'd be the moments where it was just me and Jesus. And I would, I said that I was like, it's just you and me, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he was enough. And then, so a year later, this April 15th, I wanted to have a chemoversary <laughs> <laughs> and I bought my pink dress and we ordered a brand new dining room table, which actually still isn't here yet. <laughs> but, um, my daughter got COVID hmm. and so we quarantined and we weren't able to have a chemoversary and then it ended up just being me on my chemoversary. It was just me. And I was like, you know what? This is, this is me and Jesus again. So this is fitting. This is, this is, I'm celebrating right here. Me and Jesus, he got me through. We made it here. He, he gave me peoples to surround me when mm -hmm. I need, when I couldn't move forward myself, he was there to heal me when I reached out for him. And then he gave me more than I ever deserved with my husband, with my health. Yeah. Um, and so I, I remind myself of the verse that says, let us only live up to that which we have already obtained. And so we have obtained heaven. We have attained forgiveness. We have attained mercy and eternal life. And, and so I, even if death is a relief, I want to, all my life, I want to be able to use it to give back to him for what he's given me. Oh, I love that so much. And I love your heart. And I just love <laughs> how you continue to pour out and uh, be oh, vulnerable and share your stories. And I think so many times, like, 
we, our heart can either harden or it can yes. just continue to open and flow out. And yours is continue to open and flow out. And that's what I appreciate about you so much. Well, thank you for having me and for being an inspiration and an encouragement through all of this. Yeah. Well, I love you. And I'm so excited. The <laughs> husband auditions. Husband and, auditions. Yes. And then yes. tell us where um, listeners can go and find more information about you. Okay. Um, so Husband Auditions release, releases July 20th. It's, you know, wherever you find books or you can find it on my website, which is AngelaRuthStrong.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Angela, so much for being here today. Thank you. Don't you just love Angela? I just love her so much. I love her heart. I love how even through the hard stuff, even if she's had questions or doubts, that Angela has turned her heart towards God. And I love how God has brought so much redemption, so many cool things into her life, even after all the hard things. You know, sometimes we can get so weighed down with life's challenges and life's difficulties that we don't even know if we'll be happy again, if we'll find joy again, if there'll be any good news in our lives. And it is so encouraging to hear stories like Angela to know that, yes, this life brings really, really hard stuff, but also God is really, really good. And he can bring joy out of heartache and sorrow. And our life may look different than we first imagined, but God is always faithful and he's always there. So today's verse is uh, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And whether you are on the side right now where you feel like everything in your life, your dreams, your hope, relationships have been destroyed, or you're on the side of it, that um, you're thinking, well, things are going pretty good now. I think we're doing okay. Know that God is there and he wants to let you have life that is full, full of his goodness, full of the amazing things that he wants to do in your life. And I think it's true with any of us, with me or Angela or any of us, we can look back and think of us as teenagers or young 20s and think we have no idea. We had these dreams of maybe what our life would look like. And it has been so different than we imagined. Maybe like um, Angela, you faced divorce that you never wanted or expected or cancer or like me with the pain of um, things not always going easy with our adopted children. And we've had a cross country move that I never anticipated. In fact, two cross country moves that I never anticipated and um, struggles with family members and health concerns with family members. We never know what is in store but God is faithful. And even through the hard stuff, God is there. And even after the hard stuff, God is there. And we can find joy again. We can find peace again. We can find that abundant life that God has for it. Now, it's not always abundant in the money and having enough and uh, having enough time. I mean, who really has enough time these days? But it is abundant in joy and in peace and in um, understanding God's faithfulness and love to us. And it's through that abundance that comes internally that things begin to change externally. So I just want to pray for all of us today. 
Dear Heavenly Father, first of all, I am so thankful that Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full, abundant life. Abundant not always in the things that the world says is important, but abundant in what you are doing on the inside with love and joy and peace and faithfulness. And I um, just pray for each one today that may be in one of those dark seasons, that may be really struggling with wondering, like Angela did, uh, what has my life come to? And I pray that that person, that listener, will just find hope, will find a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of peace, a glimmer of joy that they didn't even think was possible in their dark season. I pray for all those who um, maybe are going through okay times. They feel like, okay, you know, I've been through some rough things, but right now we are doing okay. I pray that you will put someone on their mind, his or her mind, that will that they can reach out to, that they can encourage, and they can support. We um, we can do so much to encourage and help each other. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to interview friends and to connect with people, and I pray that all of it will be for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you were encouraged. I hope that um, stories like Angelus will just remind you that God can be there and he can show up in wonderful and unexpected ways. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.